The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good evening or good morning. Um, this is Jill again. Bonsoir à ceux qui écoutent depuis un pays francophone, as I like to say every week. Thank you very much for listening. Merci d'être présent. Uh, today's, uh, I wanted to say, share some reflection about today, especially June 25th. Um, before I get into the, the topic for the day, which was kind of very interesting, the way it came, in, came into my into my life last week on Thursday and then Friday. Um, June twenty fifth is a uh, first. It's uh, it's my twenty fifth show uh, today, and it happens to be falling on June twenty fifth. So we have twice the number twenty five. I don't know if the twenty five has any special meaning, but. Um, I realized for quite some time already that June 25th is just halfway between two Christmases. So I don't know if June 25th refers to the previous Christmas or to the upcoming Christmas, but it's halfway in between. And uh, I can't help thinking about uh, rebirth, you know, the possibly our rebirth, I mean, which can happen on a on a very frequent basis, but um, Christmas may be a, a time of personal slash uh, spiritual rebirth. So June 25th, right in the middle, make me think about some sort of a special, um, a special entry point, if you will. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's something that I've been feeling within, and I've got some some signs. I don't want to look too much into the signs, but. Um, Usually what I get in my email um, is very telling. And I got a very nice um, email from a woman that I called it before called, called um, Ashtara. Um, and the post that I got this morning is called Every Experience is Divine. And there was to start with a picture of Kuan Yin, uh, the mother, uh, at least one representation of the mother in, in spiritual uh, realms. And there's a quote from a person called Rachel Carson that I don't know of. And it says, those who contemplate the beauty of the earth find reserves of strength that will endure as long as life lasts. There is something infinitely healing in the repeated refrains of nature. The assurance that dawn comes after night and spring after winter. So in a sense, we are in... Um, 
in winter now, and usually in the northern hemisphere, you know, Christmas time is in winter. So we're really talking about cycles, and obviously we cannot escape, you know, June twenty fifth every year and December twenty fifth every year. And so that's what I wanted to mention, and also something very interesting to me. Again, this idea of going possibly through um, a door or a portal on, on June twenty fifth, and and starting possibly a gestation. That's the idea that came to mind today. You know, a new beginning, uh, maybe in a in a earthly womb in a sense, a motherly womb, but uh, again, the earth's womb. But today I was supposed to make two phone calls this morning. And based on the discussion that I had yesterday with these two people, uh, who are in different places, uh, I thought that the phone call with the, with the new uh, would take place first. There was a phone call regarding the new, uh, at least in terms of my activities. One phone call regarding the new and one phone call regarding the old, the old. And based again on the people's schedule and what I was planning for this morning, I thought I would be calling the, the new first and then the old, maybe within an hour or so. And maybe it doesn't make sense, I don't know. Um, I don't want to use rational logic here. But um, so I called the first person, I called the new in a sense, and uh, the person was not available, so I left a message. And after about an hour, I called the old, and the person wasn't available either. And I left a message. And interestingly enough, the first person who called me back was the old. And again, I don't want to look too much into the signs, into the sequence, because we are such uh, rational beings at time. But initially, I thought the new would take place first, or would take place, yeah, first, which didn't make a lot of spiritual sense. And in the end, you know, based on my own schedule and these people's schedule, the old took place first and then the new. And that's uh, just, you know, small things. Again, I don't want to look too much into the signs. I know we, we are thirsty for signs because it gives us some reassurance. Um, synchronicities, I guess, um, you know, especially the way the shows, the, th the themes or the titles of the shows came into my life, come and came, came into my life, I guess it's very interesting. As I said earlier, it doesn't come very early on. Usually it's about a week to 10 days before. And last week, on Thursday, right after last week's show, what I was talking about, closing uh, the door to the old and open up, opening up the one to the new. So the theme is following me in a sense. I started feeling, feeling and thinking in the evening about the, the concept of a spiritual rut. And I, I will explain what I mean by that because um, two people on LinkedIn um, where I posted my, uh, my promotion um, kind of questioned what I meant by that. So I will, I will get into that uh, when I start with the, the second uh, segment when I start talking about this, this concept in my own life of the spiritual rut, which may not be unfamiliar to many of you. But um, that was the idea of the day on Thursday, Thursday evening. So I thought maybe I should do something around this concept, which is, you know, meaningful to me. And uh, I've been there. I'm sure many of you, many of us have been there as well. And um, it may not be a bad thing after all. And what I thought about at the time, I had two questions about the rut. And these two questions were, how do we get out of the rut? And the second one is, but perhaps we are here to enjoy the rut. And we don't really understand that we are in the rut for a reason. 
And uh, these were my two questions, and I obviously slept uh, onto those questions. And the next day, Friday, we went to see a movie with uh, my family, the three of us. And the movie was a, a new Disney movie called Inside Out. You may, um, you may have seen it. So I thought it was a nice way to, to superpose or to you know, dovetail this, this notion of uh, inside and out, because you can be inside and out of the rut. And, um, and, and again, talk about these two and combine them. So that's where the title came, Inside Out of the Spiritual Rut. So first, I would like to talk about the movie itself, um, which was a very, it's a very pleasant, uh, it's a movie supposedly for children, but I'm sure there's also a lot, lot to learn uh, for us, so-called grown-ups. You know, that's a, a word that I like in uh, English, American English language, grown-ups, whatever it means. We never stop growing, so. Um, so good movie, very entertaining. Um, it's just, I, I'm not going to say anything about the movie because I don't want to spoil the, not the fun, but I guess the gist of the story. But it's a story about a young girl. Uh, she's 11 years old and she's a happy girl. And she's, um, her headquarters of mine, in a sense, is composed simplistically of five emotions. And uh, one is called joy, one is called fear, one is called sadness. One is called disgust, and one is called anger. And uh, it's interesting that joy is leading the show. And it's like, maybe it's Disney, maybe it's someone else who wants to make sure that joy is leading the show. And especially that you know, sadness doesn't have too much space. Because every time um, sadness touches what is called a core memory, if it's a yellow memory, which is a joy memory, then the core memory turns blue and it becomes a sadness memory. So each emotion has color. Uh, disgust is green, fear is purple, anger is red, uh, sadness is blue, and, and joy, is, um, joy, is, joy is yellow. And something that really amused me, uh, I don't know if it's on purpose, but joy, which is, uh, there's three, three female characters and two male. But Joy is a female. She's ye supposedly yellow because she represents uh, Joy. And yet she has blue hair. You know, she has the hair of sadness. And I think that she wears a dress which looks more green, pale green more than yellow. And I thought that very interesting. Maybe there's a message from Disney there. Uh, because at the beginning, you have the impression you don't, people don't even know what sadness is all about. You don't know what purpose does she serve in life. At least it's not clearly explained at the beginning. In the end, you turn to the notion that maybe sadness is important, you know, to, for people to be with their feelings. It's something I've mentioned in terms of the darkness. Uh, I couldn't, again, couldn't help but go back to the words from that young woman that I quoted before, Sarah Isabel. And, and there's a reason why sadness comes into our lives. You know, there's sadness, there's sorrow, there's, um, there's, I don't know, everything which society may look at it in terms of the negative but they are also very much balancing emotions. They help us, you know, they help us be who we are. If we had not experienced sadness in our lives, we would just not be able to experience life. I mean, it's like we are not only one side of the coin. You know, if I want to use that metaphor, a coin, and I guess we are much more than a coin, but a coin has two sides. And it's not like there's a happy side and a sad side. And we never look at the sad one because the sad is part of the whole. 
and the happy and the joy is part of the whole as well. And so that's a story of about the movie uh, interaction between the, the five emotions, knowing that um, John tends to run the show. Um, interestingly enough, what I was thinking of is that things get scrambled in a sense and turn around the moment that um, the little girl's family decide to move from Minnesota to um, California to San Francisco. And the first reactions of the emotion, they are shocked. And then they become worried. And I thought it was so amusing to me that emotions are worried, especially fear being worried. I guess it's internal to fear to be you know, worried and fear being so, I think, so close to each other. But you can see the five of them, you know, not knowing what, what to do, what to think. And then you know, things happen and it's at some point, you know, um, joy and sadness. I think there's a need for the two of them to, to get to know one another much better. Get aspired into a big tube and they kind of go away from, uh, from what is called headquarters, from, from this little girl's mind. And then a very different story starts with um, an imaginary friend with different um, islands. Uh, there's five islands you have five emotions, but also five islands of um, this little girl's personality. And one by one, they start to collapse, and they collapse into something called uh, the memory dump, uh, which is a good, um, a good place. We can assimilate that memory dump to the unconscious. It's like things are not supposed to come back. And yet at some point, you know, joy falls into the memory dump, and she's able to come back. And there's a you know a nice um, nice ending I guess um, obviously when the last three emotions you know anger disgust and fear start to run the show because sadness and joy have disappeared then different things start to happen in the little girl's life at school and in, in the home and and um, it's a, again it's a very cute movie and it's a very realistic in a sense and. Um, and um, I liked it. I liked it very much. And then we went into, we even bought a book for our son about that. It's a, like a level two reading, a level three reading about the story of, um, of Inside Out. And he likes it. And uh, it's a good way, again, to, to teach about emotions to children, to teach about expressing themselves, especially when it comes to emotions that are not very pleasant, you know, when someone feels sad, obviously the, he or she questions what's going on. But again, sadness is very much part of who we are. It's very much part of our life. And so there's no way to, there's no way and no reason to suppress it. And um, exactly that's possibly the moral of the story that in the end, um, Joy purposely, once they are all back into headquarters, meaning the the little girl's mind, um, Joy let sadness direct the show in a sense. And there's more of a, you know, there's more of a collective. And it goes back to this notion that I dealt with, you know, the, the being and the doing and the collective and the individual. There's a reason why these emotions are there together. They are, they are sharing something and it's not one at the expense of the other, which we could, you know, think that way at the beginning, again, because... Sadness is being feared in a sense. You know, we don't want sadness to run any kind of show because, um, because again, we're talking about maybe taboos in society. Like a, a sad person goes against 
what you want to see. People are here to cheer you up, supposedly. And I think especially in the US, there's such an accent, such an emphasis on the positive, on the hyper-positive, you know, with all these words like great, terrific, and, and, and awesome. And what is uh, in the negative tends to be you know, d- dumped, really. It goes into the memory dump. It's like it feels like it doesn't exist. Um, again, talking about my perception of the U.S. culture from Europe, I mean, there's so many things, so many uh, anecdotes that I could tell about um, people stressing the positive and not even um, using words about the negative, you know, saying that on one hand, one day can be very good, but one day cannot be very bad. It can be not so good. So there's a way to, uh, again, um, I wouldn't say erase, but at least it's like one part of a reality is being dismissed, uh, is being hidden. Like, you know, we sweep that part under the rut. And I think that's very much what um, happened at the beginning of the movie. And um, I'm glad that um, eventually, you know, sadness comes back and she occupies... Uh, fulfills the function that she's supposed to. And so, again, I'm going back to these uh, excerpts from this young woman called Sarah Isabel. I think her last name is Johansson. And what I've read so far, like what I keep reading, is very inspiring, uh, especially when it comes to the notion of the, the dark night of the soul. I've said that before, but what the words she used are very much what I felt when I, you know, when I was there into my, my own dump, in a sense. Uh, it felt very dark at the time, 24 years ago when I was in school. And uh, I just want to, to end this segment. I would like to, to quote a few things from, from one um, post called The Soul Journey. So the journey, again, goes into the negative, positive, the happy, the not so happy, the sad, the distressed. And she said, you are here to embody all aspects of the human experience, the joy with the sorrow and the fear with the courage. When you do so, you are becoming the walking embodiment of wisdom and love in action, where every painful experience is compassion birthed. So again, there's a purpose of why we are going there. And maybe it's a nice intro for me to go into the, this topic of the spiritual rut. And again, she says, this is what this world is in need of. To look another into the eye and say, I know what you have gone through. And I feel the pain, for I have been there as well. Take my hand, and I will show you another way. And eventually, two or three paragraphs down the road, it's something that I quoted already, but I think, again, it, it tells you very much so about the importance of going all these different, for all these different phases of life. This is the first stage of the teaching of unity consciousness, to unite yourself with the dark and the light within you. To not reject the dark, nor the wound by wanting to escape it, but to be completely present with it, by loving it and inviting it, no matter how unpleasant or uncomfortable. So thank you very much, and I will see you in a, in a few seconds. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 866 472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795 You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org Now, back to the program Hello again, this is Jill um, Again, thank you very much for listening for being there I was talking earlier on about about, about the movie, but I think about, about, about the importance of acknowledging and, um, and I would also use the word nurturing, our emotions. What are these are? Um, the dark, the light, the happy, the unhappy. And I'm glad that in a sense, um, the quote I uh, cited, Sarah Isabel's, uh, goes along the same way. You know? She said, to unite yourself with the dark and the light within you, to not reject the dark nor the wound by wanting to escape it. And earlier on, at the very beginning of the segment, when I was talking about this notion of the spiritual rut, um, you know, one of my questions was, do we need to escape it? And um, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's a very, um, I would almost call it a rational question, but it, it's, it's a question that makes sense because this rut is, um, is not a very pleasant place. At the same time, it's not a very, um, I wouldn't call it a depressing place. To me, the rut is like when not much is going on in your life, or at least, you know, the spiritual work that you are doing, that we are doing on a regular basis, doesn't need to be, doesn't seem to be bearing fruits. And you don't see any, I wouldn't even say tangible results in our life, but you don't see the signs. You don't see so many synchronicities. You have the feeling that you're not moving. And um, it's interesting that I mentioned that, and I'm happy to clarify that with some examples about my life going back um, 15, 17 years. But at the same time, I had two questions on LinkedIn, one that I answered about 30 minutes ago. And people had their own impressions about the rut, the spiritual rut. Uh, which is good. And the first person didn't really believe in that term, that she couldn't put spiritual and rut together. 
And to her, the word was more a question, a place where there is boredom. And to me, it's not much boredom. It's much more a question of impatience. And I guess I agree that it works very differently for different people. It, the question is not, do you have to agree with me? It's the question of how does it feel? And what do you do or not do about it? And as I said earlier, you may want to enjoy it because this is the way your life or our life goes. And this is just a phase, which can be sometimes pretty lengthy. But this is just a phase which is there to teach us something. Except that, at least in my experience, what you learn, you tend to learn it in retrospect. So you don't learn it during, but you tend to learn it after you get out of the rut. And, and, and again, the visibility you have in the rut is not so obvious. And what's what I've been feeling, um, I would say, for about three years. So it's quite a long time when I, when I turn back, in a sense, and I'm talking about the years not so far away, 2011, 2012, and 2013. And I thought those years were very, very slow. Um, was it a rut? I don't know. Was it... Something was being birthed, I would rather say so, but it's, again, it's, you can't help but question what is going on, because you don't see the end, because you don't feel the movement, because you, maybe you feel that something is missing, and that was my impression for these three years, and yet, you know, more or less every time I talked, I had some signs and messages from here and there. And all these messages were about the, the caterpillar. You know, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and stays there and there's a mystical uh, slash magical process that takes place and something else is being birthed. And you can see how different the butterfly is from the caterpillar. There may be a stage, you know, when the cocoon progressively transforms into a chrysalis. But... There's a need to be there. If we don't go through that process, and I've read you know, many examples of stories about this need to go through the process, we will never know where we are in a sense. And so it's more what I you know, assimilate in a sense in terms of, of the rut. Um, so it could be a rut. It could be something else. It could be a cocoon. Again, I couldn't feel the warmth of the cocoon. I couldn't feel the... How would I call this process? You know, it's like very mushy inside. It's like something is going on. It's very mushy, gooey. I don't know. I know I've never opened a cocoon, so I can't tell. But it's like um, what the French call in bouillie. You know, it's like it's something is mashed, mismatched, and 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 uh, and something is in the in the process of taking shape. But it's gonna take um, it's gonna take years sometimes. But again, it's, it's something that, it's a gestation. It's something we need to go through, at least something I needed to go through. And, and I knew again in, in that cocoon, in that rut, that something was ending. I'm talking about the work I was doing previously for the past 20 years. This kind of work was no longer who I was, you know, from a, from a spiritual identity point of view. And yet, and the world was diminishing in a sense, but yet nothing else was coming. You know, nothing else was coming practically speaking, until this opportunity to do the show came uh, last September and October. And again, lots of questions, which are fairly, you know, fairly, they are fair questions, you know, what is this all about? 
And again, it's not a question of boredom. Um, it's not like the path is boring. It's more like, again, you know, like questioning. And, and a word that I used uh, a lot of time is the word, uh, it's a three-letter word, lack of visibility, you know, no visibility. What's going to happen? I would be happy if I could get a sign about the future. But yet the future might be two, three years down the road and I'm not supposed to be there yet. You know, it, it defeats the purpose. If I know about three years down the road, how am I going to do the work that I'm supposed to do now? So it's, um, it's, um, it's a very interesting time. And it's, um, so maybe I learned to work on my impatience. Uh, by nature, I, not, I tend not to be so impatient. But um, again, you want, you want signs, I mean, human, be- human beings, rational beings that we are, we want science, we want concrete things. And I wasn't, I wasn't asking about, again, um, you know, what to do, practically speaking, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to do a workshop, I'm going to do speaking, I'm going to do teaching. It wasn't my question. It wasn't my question, more a sense of, you know, what, what do I sense in me in terms of the path? Uh, how am I grounded? Uh, how do I ground myself into what's going to happen next? And this was um, you know, somewhat uncomfortable. And I had been working for two years with my coach between, it was a good time. It felt very, very timely. You know, I, I work with him. His name is Lev Nathan. And uh, between April of 2011 and April of 2013. So I was very involved into reflecting on my own path and using the words that he coined, um, exploring my inner landscape, which was very invaluable. I mean, I, I found out lots of things. I mentioned, I think, one sanctuary, uh, the sanctuary of ancestral memory, where I saw, I could sense the presence of Marie Magdalene. And this is, has been very meaningful since, based on what I learned and based off my spiritual, uh, whatever identity or where I come from and what I traveled in the past, in my past lives. And uh, so this was good. But yet, you know, I was talking to him um, maybe three or four months ago. And I said, you know, practically speaking, I still, I had no clue at the time when I was with him. He kept asking me, you know, um, very practical question. Is a down-to-earth guy. So he was saying, how much money do you need to make every month to cover your expenses? And I said, I need to make so much money. And um, that was the last time I went to visit him, which was in, uh, again, April or May of 2013. And I wrote to him four months ago, and I tell him, you know, I told him, you know, point blank, I still don't know what I'm going to be doing in six months' time, in a year time. And, and again, it's a process. And um, my message is, if you find yourself in this uh, kind of situation, don't be impatient. And... As I was selling, I was saying uh, early on in the in the first segment, try to enjoy it. It's not easy. I couldn't tell that it was a very uh, pleasant um, period of my life uh, because you know, again, something needs to die within you, uh, spiritually speaking, but also professionally. And uh, I mentioned, I think, last week that about the old dying and losing customers. That was a very clear sign. But then what, what happens next? There becomes a, a space in my life. And what do I do with the five days when I'm supposed to work? What is it that I call work? You know, uh, even now, I'm not considering myself working. And um, so it could feel a little, uh, a little uncomfortable. It's, um, 
it's also what I described. Um, I, I described that also as in betweenness. You know, you're in between phases in 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 our lives, and something is coming to an end progressively, slowly, the way it is supposed to do, and and the new hasn't really uh, sprout in a sense. And there's another expression which is a bit more crude, uh, which is a very French one. It's uh, le cul entre deux chaises. You know, you have your rear, your ass in between two chairs. And whatever these chairs represent for you and for me, um, it's like you're moving between chairs and you have, maybe you have one butt on one chair and then one and a half on one chair and then you're finally moving to the second chair and you don't really feel that... Um, I would almost call it, you know, like the gap in between two chairs, in between two periods in your life. Um, at some point when I was, um, it's interesting, I'm now uh, thinking back about some time ago, two or three years ago, when I was communicating with um, a person I call the old man. It's like I was asking questions within and the responses were immediate. And... Um, a friend of mine in Scotland is an uh, astrologer. He called it the psychopomp. I'd never heard about that word, but I was communicating with this person possibly within for some time, maybe two years. And at some point, I clearly remember there was a passage between one in the mountains, possibly, between one part, one part of the mountain, and there was a very thin bridge, like a, like a rope bridge, you know, going onto the other side. And I could see myself taking that bridge. And again, I may not have gotten some very clear signs, but I got an image at the time. And I could see myself, or the old man, I think we are, at the time we were more or less the same. I don't communicate with the old man anymore. But I could see myself progressing along the bridge, the road bridge, and there was a sort of a high precipice, a high gap in between. And so this idea of two chairs, having your rear in between two chairs, spiritually speaking, if you can picture that, is very much the same. And um, I agree that it could feel, you know, pretty, um, pretty threatening in a sense, pretty um, uncomfortable. And uh, we have to look ahead and not so much down. I don't think I ever looked uh, down, um, at least... I can't tell you what it means to look down when I was crossing this, this gap, this precipice. But, uh, and I can't tell again, practically speaking, it was an image, it was like a metaphor, a walking metaphor in a sense. I cannot tell you what I found on the other side. I found myself walking and I found myself going, I could see still myself going around the bend and then I couldn't see myself anymore. It's like, um, it's like I was gone. And um, that was it. I mean, I've got many images uh, about this old man. And it's very interesting. Again, it's very much part of my own landscape. And um, it's not, it could be the landscape we um, explore during our dreams. But the very first image that came to mind when I was talking about this old man was an old man coming out of the cuckoo box. You know, the cuckoo box, and the cuckoo comes out of the box every hour or every 30 minutes, said, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. That's the image I got. And for whatever reason, it was winter at the time. 
And the old man was coming out of the box like a cuckoo, like a bird. And there was a lot of snow and pine trees around. And maybe he was teaching, I couldn't really tell. But he was, he was coming out of the box. And it could be, you know, coming out of our former self, in a sense. Um, again, it's like, a, it's like a process. It's like a, a morphing process. Uh, just the other image that comes to mind is the, 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 the snake as well that is you know, shedding its skin. And um, I had a dream once about a snake in, in our yard in France, in the, in the place where I grew up, um, about five or six years ago. And, and still, I can remember that, that dream pretty well. And when I look at the explanations of dreaming about snakes, it, it told me that um, it had a lot to do with transformation. And transformation happened, and the place where I grew up is no longer there. It's been raised to the ground, which is very interesting. So again, you know, you know, we keep hearing that life is about change. Life is about um, transition. Life is about morphing. Life is about becoming. I think that's really the, the gist of what I want to say. So we don't have to, to fear the rut. The rut can teach us a lot. The rut can be our good friend, whatever it means and whatever way we look at it. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, when we look at a rut, it's some, a place where we get stuck. Uh, if you drive a car, a car and you get stuck in a rut, most likely you are, uh, like the French say, embourbé, you're stuck into the mud and you can't get out and you keep spinning your wheels. And I think it's one of the possibility of, you know, spinning your wheels, spinning our wheels, when we find ourselves in this kind of uh, in-betweenness. And, and sometimes, you know, it may be necessary to talk to someone, I guess, to, to get reinforcement about what we are doing. It's not a question of doing something and getting results. It's a question of, of working at it and, and, and keeping the momentum going, which I agree is not very, um, not very easy. So that's what I wanted to share about the rut. I may have a few more thoughts in the, in the next segment, but it is essentially, I wanted to share also, I don't have time now, but again, the signs that we get. As I was um, thinking about this concept on Monday, I received a very beautiful poem that I'm going to read to you first thing into the third segment. It's, uh, the title of the poem is called Little Summer Poem Touching the Subject of Faith. And that's what it's important when nothing seems to be happening in the rut. Faith and keeping our faith high is really what matters. And how do you do that? Um, again, there's many different ways, I guess. But um, talking to someone, you know, um, meditation, I guess, it's almost like the sky's the limit. So thank you very much. I will see you soon, right after the break. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. 
The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. I'm again very appreciative of your presence Live or not so live. I was talking about the the spiritual rut uh, in the second segment. Again, a concept which is um, quite meaningful to me. Uh, Another example came to mind when I was preparing for the show. It's it's a bit older time. I think the year must have been 97, 98. At that time, I was still a Buddhist. And again, I was so-called... a good Buddhist. I was doing my meditation. I was doing lots of activities. I was, there was a concept of home visit, visiting people and trying to encourage them. Um, and at the time, 97, 98, and, um, our business uh, was pretty fresh and honestly not very successful. And I was asking myself, you know, what is it that I'm doing um, on a day-to-day basis for the business? Why is it that it's not working? And again, in my religious conception of things, I thought, you know, if I'm a good person or a good Buddhist or a good Christian or a good Muslim or a good Jew, I don't know, a good Taoist, what is going on? I don't know if it feels really like a rut, but um, at the time, I remember going to a meeting, um, what they call discussion meeting, and at the end, there was a very senior leader there, and I was asking him, you know, what is going on? And he told me, I don't think he had any, any answer for me, but he said, it's going to get better next year. It's going to get better next year. And obviously it didn't. You know, for a number of years, we struggled. I think we struggled for forever. <laughs> but um, it's interesting, you know, that we have those questions and we keep questioning what is it that I'm doing right or wrong? Because we think that it's, it's all a question of... of I hate to, to use the word transaction, but it's, it's like giving and, and, and receiving. But it's not. It's not. Life is about 
Life is about giving, but life is about giving us what we need. And what we need may just be a spiritual rut. Um, it may just be an absence of, of signs. It may just be silence. It may just be nothingness. And, you know, in the end, I'm going to read you that poem pretty soon. What really matters is that we are building our faith through these, I don't know if I would call it struggles, but at least through this absence of tangible signs. Or maybe it's a sign that we are not meant to be, or to do what we were doing, or what I was doing at the time. And yet, you know, 97 up to now, when the business is closing, it's been like 18 years. I could think to myself, you know, what am I... What have, what, have, what have I learned in these 18 years? Certainly many things. I mean, in the first place, I learned to fly on my own. But I think, you know, life is here, here and there in our lives to, life is in our lives, to, to teach us something and, and make us, you know, more faithful. Not faithful in terms of worshipping someone outside ourselves, but but more faithful in terms of believing in ourselves. That's really what the, the crust is. Going deep down, that's the spelunking thing, you know. We go down, we observe, we, we celebrate who we are in a sense. And, and we keep on building faith. And we go deeper. Uh, I used before the image of the cave, you know. The cave can take us to a deeper part of where we are and we start exploring areas of ourselves, of our spiritual selves that we were, that we were unseen or unheard of us. So here's the poem that I wanted to read you. Again, I received it Monday morning and I thought it was so much like a sign. You know, the poem talks about signs of summer, that things are happening in the summer. We can't see it, the author couldn't see it. And yet something is happening and it's just the way life is. You know, at a deeper level, when we do the spelunking, possibly we have a, a sense, a feeling of what goes on. But if we don't go within, it's very difficult. So the poem is by Mary Oliver. She's a, a great um, poet. And the title is Little Summer Poem Touching the Subject of Faith. Every summer, I listen and look under the sun's brass and even into the moonlight. But I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. Not the pale roots digging down, nor the green stalks muscling up, nor the leaves deepening their damp pleats, nor the tassels making, nor the shucks, nor the cobs. And still, Every day, the leafy fields grow taller and thicker, green gowns lofting up in the night, showered with silk. And so, every summer, I fail, I fail as a witness, seeing nothing. I am deaf to the thick of the leaves, the tapping of downwardness from the banyan feet, all of it happening beyond any seeable proof or hearable hum. And therefore, let the immeasurable come. Let the unknowable touch the buckle of my spine. 
Let the wind turn in the trees, and the mystery, hidden in the dirt, spring through the air. How could I look at anything in this world and tremble, and grip my hands over my heart? What should I fear? One morning, in the leafy green ocean, the honeycomb of the corn's beautiful body is sure to be there. It's a, a poem by the, from the series West Wind, if you want to go back. And again, the author is Mary Oliver. And, the, you know, in this case, the message was so clear, you know. There may be a spiritual, a spiritual rut. And um, I think she talks about uh, the dirt. I don't know exactly where it is, but... Um, Yes, and the mystery hidden in the dirt swings through the air. So even in the rut, you know, there's a mystery. There's a mystery at work. There's a, a magical process happening, except that it's usually hidden. And this process is simply called life. Some may, people may call it God, the universe, the source. But something is always there, rejuvenating itself. And um, I think it was such a, a reassuring sign for me that, um, again, the timing of the shows and what I look for in terms of what I want to share comes very naturally, very organically uh, into my life during the five or six days before the show. And I'm extremely grateful for that. It's really a confirmation from the universe that... Um, I'm obviously going the right direction. I'm, not, I'm talking about only a one-week schedule. I'm not talking about the rest of my life. You know, I don't need a confirmation for that. Uh, I know now that it's going to come the way it comes from just about any of us. So my message here is please have faith and um, find ways to build and strengthen your faith. How? Again, there's so many ways to do it. Usually it's about, um, the first thing that comes to mind, it's very good to be part of a group and share things. It doesn't have to be any kind of faith-setting group. It doesn't have to be a religious group. But, uh, you know, just share how heart-to-heart connection, I think, is very important. And um, lots of people are doing good work for the earth, you know, for Gaia. I think it's very, very encouraging to, to be around those people as well and to be one of them. Uh, the other idea that comes to mind is more of a solitary activity is to, to do a garden, to have your own garden. I'm talking about veggies and fruits. This is an activity that keeps us close to the earth, you know, practically speaking. But there's a spiritual um, side of it. Uh, I used to tend a, a physical garden for about five years. I don't do it now, but there was so much going on. And, you know, the tomatoes get sick and there's some like bugs getting at them and, and trying to, to cut the leaves that are turning brown. I mean, there's so many things going on. It's really about life. It's really about this process we call, uh, we call life. And there was um, one more thing I wanted to share. Um, it's still about the rut. And it's the second posting... Um, from a person who was a bit puzzled by this concept of uh, spiritual rut. And um, to her, it was more of a question of, of dryness. 
and which is a bit paradoxical because I post a picture on Facebook, two or three pictures as one for the main invitation, and then there's a couple more that goes along the theme that match the theme in a sense. And one was a picture of a rut, and there was water in the rut. So on one side, you know, she thinks about dryness in a sense that our spiritual life is getting dry. Or she used the word standstill as well. And so that was a perception. It's not what I want to share so much with you. It's like from there, she went on to the concept of the dark night of the soul. And again, since I shared that experience with you about my own dark night of the soul, which took place about 24 years ago, I think I shared that with you maybe two or three months ago, at the time where the, the walls of my, the, the, the floor of my life collapsed. And she comes back, this person that I've never met. And she shares her experience. And I thought, you know, there's always, the word that comes to mind is another layer that comes to reinforce my sharing in a sense. And sometimes it's meaningful, sometimes it's so not meaningful. But what she shares is very beautiful. And I wanted to, to share it with you and possibly leave you with, um, with these words. She says, this spiritual state was called the dark night of the soul by saints like John of the Cross, a 16th century Carmelite friar who lived in Spain, and more recently, our well-known Mother Teresa of Calcutta. The idea comes from the deep thirst in the human soul to look for and come closer to God, its creator. God is all light. The closer we come to any bright light, the more we find ourselves blinded by this light, therefore not being able to see clearly and much less enjoy the brightness of the light. And I can, you know, I can commune with those words. And yet to me, it's not the idea of a spiritual rut, especially we are blinded by the light. Um, Therefore, not being able to see clearly. To me, the light comes from within. To me, God is within. There's a reflection, possibly, of God within ourselves. And that's where the so-called illumination comes from. And um, again, at this point, I don't see the connection between this bright light, between the idea of him closer to God and the spiritual rut. It may be the case. I'm not saying it's not. But I don't put the two and two together. Maybe I'm not that far advanced on the path. And, um, but I'm very grateful that she shared what she shared. Because again, she goes back to a topic which is very dear to me and very meaningful. And, and um, to me, a dark night of the soul makes you go so much deeper than a spiritual rut. I think a spiritual rut is, you know, picture a field and there's tracks in the field, and these fields are filled with water. So your car can get stuck, but you don't go deep down into the cave. You know, you don't have an experience, you don't live an experience that forces you to go down to your spiritual guts and possibly assess the reason why you're here and possibly break loose within and decide, you know, this is a new direction for me. I think a dark night of the soul is a very, um, on one side, I think it's a very terrifying experience because you're faced with a darkness. And in my case, I really didn't see any light. 
maybe the light that we talk about the end of the tunnel maybe showed up maybe six months later. But it was more of a day-to-day life and getting back to my own process. I was in school and it was very difficult just to get by. And I eventually did. I mean, I wasn't, um, I didn't, took, uh, didn't take a leave of absence in a sense. But um, again, a spiritual what is not what I have in mind when I talk about the dark night of the soul. So be well. Enjoy the rest of the week until we meet again. And uh, please muster your faith and, and strengthen your faith. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.